Welcome to Coping with COVID-19, an editorially independent program from the editors of Modern Aesthetics Magazine and Practical Dermatology Magazine. In this special episode, guest Adam Jackson, an infectious diseases clinical pharmacy specialist, joins a panel of aesthetic experts to discuss how vaccination will change behaviors inside and outside the medical clinic. Panelists include Drs. Joel Cohen, Michael Gold, Doris Day, Mark Nestor, Joel Schlesinger, and Amy Taub. Travel thing is going to be very interesting because, again, I think that what you're going to see, especially internationally, where, unless you have documentation and how do you not, how do you keep it secure and how do you make sure it's real and all like, that? Let's forget about travel for a minute. Let's go to our office now. Okay. So now, for instance, how are you going to, I don't know how you're all doing it. This is my thing. If anybody's going to have their mask off for more than 10 minutes, in a room, we do the rapid test. Now I realize that it's not <clears throat> always accurate. Because there's a bunch of rapid tests out there. Some are more accurate than others. Now ours, I have to say that we've had quite a few false positives, um, but so far we haven't turned up any false negatives. And we've identified quite a few people that have COVID. But then some of the people who've had positives who have no symptoms get mad because we're not going to do their fillers and then they go and have you know the pcr and it's negative and so we say okay you can come back but it doesn't really make sense but i'm not talking about sense right now i'm talking uh -huh. about what's going to happen when they are we going to have access to this ibm thing to be able to vet people who have had the vaccine my understanding of the data number one is that for the rapid test and the BD test, I think has some of the best data uh, from that. You really have many more false negatives than false positives. The false positive rate is very, very low on these tests. Uh, you know, and, and New England Journal, and Adam, you can talk about this too. New England Journal had a really good article on this issue of what we're testing for. And that's one of the reasons I kind of feel a little more comfortable. The rapid test, I think is much more akin to infectivity whereas the PCR is on either side, much more sensitive. So you're getting people who are pre-infectious and post-infectious, even though the PCR positive. So I use test for my house, basically. If I'm having my kid come over for dinner and I'm testing them and they're negative, they're, as far as I'm concerned, they're fine to have their mask off for dinner, okay? The next day, there may not be that 24 hour period, they may become infectious. Well, but that's why we're doing it for the procedures because just for that immediate time, they should be okay. Right. But our experience has been that we've had people who've had COVID and are now better, <clears throat> but it might've been four weeks ago. Sometimes they still test positive. Then they go and get a PCR test and they're negative. So it's, it's a little confusing to me, that's but the bottom line is that the reality is from what we can tell is that if a person, I mean, I just, I, as many issues as I've had with CDC communications with not just this, but with many other things, they're not exactly a model of clear English. Um, when I look at the, the, the rules around removal from isolation, essentially, I mean, if, if obviously if you have a negative test, you have a negative test. But certainly the PCRs, normally not the antigens, but certainly the PCRs, those things can stay positive for a long time. You can have residual RNA floating around in your tract for a while. 
I mean, really, it's you haven't had a fever for at least, uh, they say, 24 hours, obviously, without taking a medication or anything like that. And you've improved. You may not be perfect, but you've, your symptoms are improving. And it's been at least, I usually say, you know, call it 10 days since whatever your symptom onset was. I mean, in that respect, it's actually very similar to other viral respiratory illnesses, um, at least the common ones, whereby right. you really shouldn't be contagious after that point. So, you know, in my office, you know, I, I've watched and listened and I follow what everybody else is doing. And then I just think what's going to work for me in my office. And we we wear masks. We have the new fabrics masks that um, that are comfortable and they're washable, reusable. I gave two to everybody. They wash, they reuse them. I have the molecule purifiers and some UVC light things that pulls the air through, kills it through UVC and pushes it through. I have a 1500 square foot office and five exam rooms in that space. So we're kind of in close together. We have a, a staff of six people. We wear a mask most of the time when we're together, but sometimes if it's just us in the space or they come back into my office, I don't have a mask on and they're at some distance, but you know, I guess six people we are talking. Um, patients who come through, um, we don't test anybody. When I'm in the room with them, I let them take off their masks once I'm ready to inject. And we're and I always keep mine on. I always, always, always have my mask on when I'm with my patient. But um, but I let them take their mask off because I want to see their face and I want them to have a good experience in in the office. And you know, patients are really good. They're smart. They don't come in if they're sick. They don't come in if they don't feel well. They don't come in if they're exposed. We do proper screening. We do the temperature check on the way in. Although I don't know who has a temperature when they're over the age of 30 who feels well. So I think that's just for optics. We do the Colgate optic white mouthwash rinse and the hand sanitizer. Um, and we have a lot fewer patients. We clean the rooms between every patient. We use laser sin, spray the air, spray the every surface, wipe everything down with them sanitizer. I've not had one staff get sick, not one patient get sick. I've not been sick. And, you know, we're, we're just responsible about it. Everyone agrees that we're not socializing. They're not going to parties and doing things. And I just, I feel like, you know, we, we go to all these measures, but when you look at what different people do and the rate of infection, it's kind of interesting that it's, it doesn't, you know, common sense things can also apply and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be face shield and hazmat suits for this necessarily. One factor is that New York City's positivity rate is lower still than many areas of the country, certainly Miami and other areas. So I think it's, you know, part of it is statistics. Let's be really clear. Okay. Okay. Part of it is, you know, the I issue. With that. I agree with that, Mark. I, I don't disagree. I take that into account too. I would do it differently if the stats were different. Right. So, so that's number one. Number two, it's all about the numbers. So, you know, the, there is a, an infectivity. Infection has to do, as we, we know, with the number of molecules that we're getting in contact with, which has to do with how infectious the other person is, how close you are for how much period of time. So all of those factors, you know, are risk factors. I will tell you, there's probably very odds on that some of the people who have come through your office are positive are infectious, okay? You have been at a position, it's probably a low number, but for whatever reason, be it the time, be it you know what you've done, mouthwash certainly has been shown to work, et cetera, um, that goes down. We're, it's all about the odds. So in my office, we, we're all wearing, Miami's nuts in terms of the number of cases, 
but we all wear masks and 95 we all wear face shields because i think that combination is probably the best and we all wear autoclavable you know gowns etc and the patients wear masks up until the time i'm either doing something around their mouth or i'm examining them so we're, we're taking as few chances as possible with cleaning rooms etc i think again the bottom line is it's, a, it's an odds, it's statistics. And you can bend the statistics one way or the other. And I think the issue is the infectivity- you know, Mark, you're making my point though. You're in that we, we create these standards and we say everybody has to do all these things. When in reality, depending on where you are and the other measures that you take, you don't necessarily have to do all of those things, but we, we create a one size fits all when in reality, it's just not that. And, um, and so my only point was to, to, to show you that, you know, I, I see plenty of people who spend all their time indoors. They go out to the supermarket one day and they get sick, they get COVID. So it is the odds. Some of it is random. And there's common sense things you can do. But at the same time, do we go over the top with some of it? All right, we got, all right we're going to cover two topics. So I'll just pipe in. I've had, I have had eight people in the last two months get sick in my office. And we have 50 people. And, you know, and some of them are people I would never dream would, you know, whatever, go out, go to a party, spend Christmas with family, you know, and, and you just can't whatever. I mean, right. Cindy and I, we, we do go to Publix. That's it. That's the only thing we do. And we're in and out in three minutes. And we don't do anything. I mean, so. And that's not public. I mean, what's what it's been shown that's very clear is that that's not a high risk area. No, well, that's the only time we go out.